kicks it to the top of the square. Amos is there, punched down by Duggan, taken by Schultz around the corner. What a goal. Lucky Schultz is having a night out. Goal of the night. He's kicked four, and that is a dozen in a row. Dozen in a row, it ended up being 17 in a row in the 101-point derby defeat by Fremantle of West Coast on Saturday night. Welcome back to Mornings with Mark Duffield on SENWA, coming to you live from the Toolkit Depot studio. It's very wet outside. Don't forget to shop winter at TKD. It was a derby debacle or a derby triumph, depending on which side of the ledger you're on. Paul Hazelby, Fremantle Dockers champion, of course, one half of the run home with Hayes and Mato on weekdays at three on SEN. Tell us, Hayes, what did you make of it? Disappointed it wasn't 118 points because I played in the game that we lost by 117 <laughs> and that would have uh, got rid of the unwarranted record that uh, obviously we still hold. But, oh, look, they were pretty good, West Coast, weren't they, in the first 15 minutes? You thought, here we go, there's some improvement. And then they went missing for the next three and a half quarters. I've never seen a team drop their work rate like that. And at times, Fremantle were good, but it's hard to assess the game because they just worked their way through them. They're like witches' hats yep. on so many occasions from stoppage, they were poor in defence, didn't have any method. Some of their forwards really struggled. So there's not a lot to like there from a West Coast perspective. But Fremantle continue to show some improvement in the back half of this season as well. They do. You went strongly on Adam Simpson and his future. Um, has it got to a point where you think there just has to be change? And that's not a new thing for me. I wrote an article, I think, halfway through last year suggesting the time was coming to an end. And that's more about my philosophy on coaches, that once you have your success after seven and eight years, I think, like we've seen from Damien Hardwick, it's better to just get out. Better for the club, then they can make some really tough decisions, move on and and not have a coach that's still trying to hold on to those glory days. But also, in Damien Hardwick's case, it's now better for him. He's gone away for... Five months, he comes back, he gets a five-year contract offer to a new club. And I thought the same case with West Coast, that Simo had taken him to the mountain, he'd won the premiership, and then they were starting to fall off. I just felt 12 months ago was the right time, and nothing's changed my mind over the last 12 months with what's gone on. It's probably further cemented that, that I think this club is in dire need of a new coach, a new system to come in, some new challenges for all the players. You've got a two-tiered economy within their group, because you've got the older guys that have been there for a long time and now you've got these younger guys and you know if it was me at West Coast I'd strongly look at what the Hawks have done in recent times where they've rejuvenated that list really quickly they've given a lot of power to those younger kids and we're seeing that they're one of the best teams in the competition right now with wins against the Bulldogs and also um, Collingwood the week before so I'd be looking at the Sam Mitchell mould and look he's only in year two. How do you assess the Eagles list? How much trouble are they in, do you think? I think they're in a lot of trouble, but I think it's complicated that I don't fully believe they're, they're playing for the coach at the moment in the way that they are rocking up and performing. And you know, when you get so many big losses over 100 points, that's evidence of it. And you can have players, and I've heard it all year, senior players, they've all come out, we're behind Simo. Well, are you? Are you really behind Simo when you still had a number of senior players on the weekend that um, I think I went through it and there's probably eight premiership players there, plus you've got Oscar Allen, plus you've got Tim Kelly. There's still some talent on that list, but the evidence is there for everybody to see that I don't think they are weighing in as a footy club. And I do understand that when I've been in that environment, the season becomes very long for players when your finals hopes are dashed within the first five weeks and you're just, you're just counting down the days, really, for a restart. 
But the list is in a bit of trouble. But I, I honestly believe, you know, a new person comes in, makes some tough calls, challenges the whole group, motivates them with a different game plan and style going forward. I think it can change pretty quickly. And I've been there when I was at Fremantle in 2001. We lost 17 in a row. And you fast forward to the end of 2003, we won 15 games and played finals, finished fifth. So it can change, but within that, we obviously had a coaching change as well. Yeah, and I remember 2001, and even the back end of 2002, the team started to play mm. pretty strong football at the back end of 2002, and there was clearly light at the end of the tunnel. I think you might have gone 9-13 and 13 yeah, in we 2002. Did. After it. So if, if you gave West Coast a 9-13 and 13 season next year, if you said, here's the contract, sign it, you get it, they, they would jump the table. Mm to sign that now, wouldn't they? So the other thing that's going to happen, if you're back in Adam Simpson, you're probably going to move a few staff around, aren't you, in terms of football department, assistant coaches and the like. So what happens if it doesn't work next year and they have another year where they win three games? Do they then make the call and sack him? So halfway through a rebuild, you'll have this scenario where you've got to totally change the direction you're going. And with that, a new coach comes in. He has a different philosophy on life and on football. He, Adam Simpson may put a lot of games into certain players. And we've seen in the past, I've seen it with the handover between Ross Lyon and also Justin Longmuir. Like, I think the handover probably set the club back two years because of the different approaches that both coaches had to it. And, you know, you, you, Connor Blakely's a good example under Ross Lyon, he was projecting to be a good player. In comes Justin Longmuir, Connor Blakely, 100 games into that player, not a feature under Justin Longmuir. And no way is right or wrong, but I just think West Coast get a chance to start their rebuild the right way with a new coach that's going to come in and challenge everybody within that organisation. No, that's a fair call. The other thing, there's going to be a significant list turnover, Hayes. The worst thing you can do at an AFL club is get your list wrong. Um, you know, like a, a, having the wrong coach at the helm can set you back maybe 12 months. Other things can set you back for 12 months. You get your list wrong and it can set you mm. back for four or five years. Is there concern that they will lay some young talent to waste here, not fully explore it, let players go that turn up somewhere else and, and maybe become AFL players? Are you worried about that? Oh, I think we've had a pretty good look at all the players on the list this year. And I think, you know, we're all probably thinking the same thing about many of those players that they will be moved on. Look, you would have loved maybe for if the decision was made on Adam Simpson throughout the year, you do get a chance for that coach to come in. And you may have found one or two that just respond differently to a new coach and a new challenge. But you're right, they do get a chance to get their list 100% spot on. They're going back to the draft. We heard that from Gavin Bell. But what, what I will say about Adam Simpson, and, and this is different to some other coach, he's accepted the reality that this is a rebuild and they will give all those young kids an opportunity. So he's not really coaching for him, which does happen sometimes when you have those coaches just hanging on after they've been to the top of the mountain. There's, we've seen it with Alistair Clarkson, who went and traded away all the picks. We saw it a little bit with Damien Hardwick last year with you know, Hopper and Taranto coming in, that sometimes it's for the now – Adam Simpson, to his credit, is not built that way. He will do it different, and he is trying to do it for the future. But what is the future? Two years, and then you get a reset with another coach that's going to come in and potentially do it differently. 
Uh, question from Dan from Grenades on the temper at Bedshed text line. Uh, and if you want to contribute, 0487 736 736 is the number. He says, Duff, I have to question how Elijah Hewitt got the Rising Star nomination for this week over Matt Johnson. Was it pity for the Eagles? On any measure, the season and the weekend's match, Johnson has been a better performer. Are we getting another Andrew Brayshaw season where he never got a Rising Star before uh, nom before Gaff broke his jaw. Interesting point. I get the feeling towards the end of the season they go body of work. Yeah, one hundred percent. And and I I think that is the basis on which Elijah Hewitt has received his. But it's an interesting point on Matt Johnson. Does Matt Johnson deserve a, a nom before the end of the year? Do you think he does? Body of work, but it's been unique with him because he was in good form and then he lost the form, goes out of the team. So I think the the selectors of that award are probably just thinking, okay, who's been playing well? And you don't want any embarrassment. You don't want a player to yep. you know be a chance to not win it. He's not going to win Elijah Hewitt, but you know there's a chance that he would be inside. He could even. He could steal a vote um, with some people now that he is nominated. But Matt Johnson's just a matter of time. He was good on the weekend. Yeah, he's very good. Very good. What did you like about Fremantle's performance in the Derby? Well, the last three weeks, and you hear Justin Longman talk about a lot, is the contest method. They've won the contest method uh, in those three games, clearances and contested possession. And I think you've got to look at what's happened. You've, you've got Hayden Young that's gone in there that's been really good around stoppage. But Luke Jackson on the weekend, and you summed it up really well with Nat Nui going out, it reminded you of what Nat Nui can do. I've never seen somebody sprint that hard or a ruckman from the stoppage to be used. But when he sprints forward, he's got better craft than that. Nui. Nat Nui was a sprint forward, I'll win it, and just boot it in. I think he's got better running patterns, and I think he can use the ball by hand to allow other players to get involved. So I think that move into the ruck has single-handedly um, changed their fortunes around contest, and Justin loves contest because he loves the game being played in his front half, because mm. then he can set up his wall with his small forwards, they go to work, but then behind the ball, you've got the defenders that do that. He, he was really strong in that contest as well, and, and the small forwards have been the beneficiaries. Lockie Schultz, all of a sudden, is back into All-Australian form over the last month. He had a, he had a night out, didn't he? But five mm. goals, I think it was 24 disposals, I think 10 or 11 in contest. Yep. He did everything you want a small forward to do. And Sturt, as well, deserves... This is an interesting one. He got the contract trigger, but yeah. there'd be clubs out there right now that would give three years, potentially, for Sam Sturt. So I'll see what happens there. But he came back with a really good attitude this year with the way that he defended. He was always a good attacking player, but he didn't bring the defensive side. He's brought that, and now he's getting rewarded on both sides of the ball. Um, Liam Henry's an interesting one. He's not signed... Uh, how hard do you fight if you're Fremantle to keep him? Because this is going to come down to length of contract, money paid. So what does Fremantle do? And in the event that they can't convince him that he should stay, what's he worth on the market, do you think? Well, most clubs, and Geelong are probably the best at it, you look at their draft pick, and that's your starting point. And, you know, if you've got a four-year deal on the table, I think that's probably... Probably one more than they would like to give, but three years. I think there's been a really solid body of work, and he's become an important player. And I've mentioned I love the smaller player that can actually change the direction of the play on the field. I think it's a key attribute in modern-day footy. But if you're offering him four years and he's going elsewhere and he was a high draft pick, then I think you start there and you'd probably want to end if you're Fremantle at pick 15. Wow. That's if you're Fremantle, that's probably where you want to end, isn't it? Yeah. 
And they're, they're in their right to do that. They've invested three years, high draft pick, come through their academy. And whether or not another club's willing to give that up, but that, that's, what I'd, that's the hard ball that clubs are starting to play. Yeah, well, you're right. And they, they went through a lot with Liam, didn't they? He, t- he took a lot of educating as to what his role was going to be at AFL level. Mm. Um, and the club, I wouldn't say they were, they were patient with him because he spent a lot of time in the waffle, but they did the work. They're starting to reap the rewards of the work. You would, you, I wouldn't say you would hate to see him walk out the door, but it would be a bit displeasing, I think, if he walked out the door now. Particularly now that there's a spot for him, he knows that, and there would be a good contract for him as well. So, um, you know, on the body of work that he's done since he's come back into the side, like if if you just look at that, it puts him as one of the better wingmen in the competition. So pick 15 is not out of the realms of possibility. So, Hayes, we, we started this discussion last week, and let's continue it. With the changes that they made, obviously no Darcy, so Jackson goes into the ruck. Young comes into the midfield. Sturt establishes himself as one of the small forwards. There's now, there's, I think there's the critical mass of talent there that Frio requires to progress further up the ladder. But where does it all fit in the team? Mm. It feels like there's going to be a jam on for small forwards berths, and it feels like uh, there might be a jam on for midfield berths. And we talked about the big-bodied mids last week. What do they do with Nathan Fife? What do they do with Jager O'Meara? Have you given any thought to where they might all fit if they're all fit and available? Well, they don't, do they? So you've got the ruck situation with Jackson and, you know, what he's doing is a 21-year-old ruck. If you look at where he is in three years' time. And the other part of that is with Darcy, they, they are the hunted because every opposition and their opponent knows where the ball is going to go. With Jackson, I think that there's that element of surprise, and I think that's a key reason. But the other reason they're doing well is his follow-up to win it, but his follow-up to tackle and also bring the other players in if he does win it by handball. He's not running away from the stoppage and kicking it too often. He's running away and just being the extra link in the chain. So that's helped them at contest. You know, you're talking about Sam Sturt up against Nathan Fife. Like, I know Josh Corbett's still there, so there's probably a spot there. But if they can find another key forward, I think they'd like to bring one in to support Tracy and also Amos, one that probably can go in the ruck a little bit more. But Nathan Foss position, does he go back to being a midfielder? And then you've got O'Meara, who was thrown around again on the weekend. He was playing forward, wasn't tried in the back line. It doesn't look like Justin Longley was going to go down that path because now is the time to try that. Erasmus comes on and is really strong. You've got Will Brody there. I spoke to a mate the other day about Neil Erasmus. If you're if you're his manager right now, are you believing there's an inside mid spot over the next 10 years at Fremantle to break in past now Hayden Young, Sarong and Brayshaw? He's not a wingman. He is an inside player. So if I was the management group of Neil Erasmus, you're asking some questions to see if there's a team that absolutely wants that player in that position. I know he's only in year two, but that's how modern-day footy works. You want your player and your client to be actually playing all the time. I would get the feeling that with Erasmus, I'd want to go another year with Erasmus. He's 19 years old. He's showing enough to me. Let's not forget that Nathan Fife is 31, and if Nathan Fife has another injury troubled year, he's shot. Mm. Um, I'd like to see O'Meara at halfback. I would just like to see what... He's very clear thinker. He's very clean with the ball. Um, doesn't make many mistakes by hand or foot. You know, if you gave him a bit of a license, 
to take the game on and and, and be aggressive from that point. I would, yep. I would like to see what came of that. I think, and uh, and that might be part of the the solution to what we're talking about. Hey, Corey Wagner's yeah been good. He has. He's made a real big difference. And what they're starting to do a lot better is punish the turnover. So when they get it, whether it might be a back 50 stoppage and they get a chance to go, they're going. And I think they find a really good balance or found a really good balance of when is the right time. And they're starting to become that fast turnover team that we've seen from Collingwood. And he's a key reason of that. But what he also does, he brings in Jordan Clark. Because now they're running mates. Once one goes, the other one goes. Where I think Jordan Clark's a bit wasted in the old style where they were chipping it sideways because he's thinking, this doesn't suit my attribute, really. I'm one that just needs to take the game on, go through the corridor, get used at speed with a handball chain. And he's starting to weigh in. I've been really impressed. Look, they want to get those errors out of their game. I think Warner early on and Wagner butchered a couple. And you can't do that too often because, yeah. you know, that hurts you back the other way. But... From where we saw him when he first got his chance this year to where he is now, Wagner's been terrific. Uh, Matt from Beldiver says, Hayes is dreaming. Henry is out of contract and can walk if he wants to. The Eastern States draft trade commentators are putting the Henry trade around 25 to 30, which seems much more likely. Interesting clarification as well from Alex. Thanks, Alex. Matt Johnson was suspended for two matches for a dangerous tackle on Dane Zorko. Would make him ineligible for Rising Star Award. That's true. Does that prevent you from getting nominated as well Not as sure. winning it? Not sure, That's... but uh, Alex knows all the rules. Good point. Uh, 25 to 30. Look, I only put it from a Fremel perspective of what yep. they would be chasing, and they would be chasing pick 15 for a player of the ilk of... Um, um, of Liam Henry. Liam Henry. 25 to 30. He could fall there, but uh, he can't just walk. There still needs to be a trade. He can walk to the bottom team. West Coast, a yeah. possibility. Or North Melbourne. Hmm. I'm told that he's half keen on going to Melbourne. Yeah. Well. Tell him his dream. <laughs> Thank you for the boys outside for weighing in on that. Um, yeah, it's an interesting point. Is there... Duff, there's a team down the road that wanted Erasmus in the draft but was taken from under their nose. Who would like him in their midfield and would take him? West Coast Eagles, thanks, Randall. That's come through. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what they offered for mm. Neil Erasmus. It'd want to be a good pick yep. to get Neil Erasmus. I, I still think if you're looking at what a 19-year-old can be expected to do as an inside midfielder in a given season, I think Neil Erasmus has fulfilled everything that Fremantle would like to see. Now, he's he's not super quick. Uh, he'll get bigger and stronger, but he extracts the ball really well. He looks like he finds the footy really well. I think there's there's scope for a lot of upside. And I think, obviously, if he goes ahead of O'Meara, that's where he needs to be as the fourth midfielder. So starting on the bench, coming on through the middle of the ground. But then the question marks are on Nathan Fife, O'Meara and Will Brodie that are still trying to work their way back into that side. Is there a particular spot on the ground that you think Fremantle needs work? Is there a, is an area they need to bolster, do you think? Oh, key forward. One more. Just one more. Josh Tracy, we've now seen a bit of a body of work. He's not a massive goal kicker. Um, he does go in the ruck, he crashes packs, but he's still one of those ones that he does get in really good positions at times, but he's not finishing it off. And does it happen? I know Luke Jackson, there is the option if Darcy comes back in to go back into the forward line and add that. But yeah, look, you, you weigh everything up about what's out there right now. I think I think you know Mitch Georgiades is, is, is probably the one that if you could get at the right price coming into your football club, just gives you a little bit of cover. Because if Joy Amos was to get injured, start of next year, would you have them inside the top eight? 
No, nah, he's really important. Um, mm. Speaking of Jai, he's going to get to that 40 goal figure you, he is. you floated. 38, two to go, two to go. Not what? many people thought. They thought I was crazy, didn't they, when I said when I, I did. Said I thought you were crazy. Yeah. And and I thought that the fact that that was a key to their top four hopes, I thought, nah, they're not making the top four because mm. he's not kicking 40. Well, he's going to kick 40, but obviously they're going to finish way, uh, a, a fair way down the track. But I just based it on the two games that I saw last year. That he yeah. gets chances, and unlike many... Key forwards, and Aaron Norton's a classic example of this. He takes his chances. He yep. kicks goals from whether it's on the ground or whether it's from set shots. He only needs two or three, and that's why I thought he could, uh, you know, turn 23 games. And he missed the first game too. Yeah, Australia. When you look back at that decision, on the back of what he did in the finals, I'm not sure what happened over the preseason. But how did he miss round one? I think he's had a couple of interrupted preseasons. So mm. I think they're re- one thing they're really excited about with Amos is that they haven't really got him in the gym for a full summer. He's had setbacks both summer and they're, uh, summers, and they're starting to think, gee, if we can get him in the gym and we can get a real change in his body, who knows what mm. we might have at our disposal next year. Tracy is an interesting one, isn't he? Because Tracy takes or nearly takes nearly three marks a game where you think he, he's got a good clean grab of it and then for some reason the ball just spills out for no good reason. And Jackson nearly takes three marks a game as a forward. Yep. So... It's not ideal, but it's just a matter of is he better than the next best player that you might be looking for and what do you have to give up for that player? I get the feeling there's a lot to achieve for Fremantle in these last two games. Mm. I mean, Port Adelaide at home, it's going to be – you can't say, oh, they're going to redeem everything because we thought they'd play finals and they're not going to play finals. But they can redeem a lot of their reputation, I think, with a really strong performance and, fingers crossed, a win against Port Adelaide this week. Missed the finals by one game, two games. It doesn't look as bad, even though they're out with five to go. But that would make it five out of their last six, I think, with a loss to Brisbane. Uh, Brisbane, yeah. Which I thought they outplayed Brisbane for the most part of that game. So that would be a good way to finish. You go in with a lot of confidence, further development from those players. You're still going to be hungry because they hadn't achieved. Hayden Young through the midfield for an extended period of time next year, another preseason. If it's Sean Darcy, he comes back in, so they do have a few more options. So can they win? I think so. Yep, absolutely. Tipping or tipping port? No, I tipped them. I did my tips yesterday, and I tipped Fremantle on this one. Oh, Confident Hayes. Hayes, always a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for joining us on the show. Look forward to your insights again next week. Thank you, Duff. Paul Hazelby, of course, on the show every Tuesday. He's also one half of the run home with Hayes and Mardo. That is on SEN on 3 p.m. on weekdays. We are, as always, brought to you by Isuzu Utes, and you can live your own way in the seven-seater Isuzu MUX. See your Isuzu Ute dealer today. We'll be back after the break.